You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Going to recap the Seahawks' loss to the Saints. Not a pretty one there, but we're also going to talk to some Seahawks players. Will Disley joining us in a bit, as well as some of your favorite voices that cover this team. Steve Rabel, Ray Roberts, John Boyle of Seahawks.com. And then, obviously, we're going to take a look ahead to an upcoming divisional matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. First, though, a look back to New Orleans, where not one but two players rushed for over 100 yards against the Seahawks. And, Dave, I got to say, it's one thing to have a problem and fix it. It's another thing to know you have a problem for weeks and be unable to fix it. Yeah, it's very uh, puzzling to me. So there's some interesting things going on. I think that, you know, I, and I don't know if it's maybe the the reads that the linebackers are getting. It, it, this is what's curious to me is that the blocker and the running back tend to show up to the linebacker at the same time. Mm. And so they're kind of like, who do I hit here? Do I, do I hit the guard or do I try to swim the guard and make a tackle? I know what Bobby would have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, and look, that's why Bobby made a lot of tackles. Uh, but sometimes you can't do that. And, you know, so I, that part of it's kind of uh, kind of mystifying to me. Uh, I'll look at the, the bright side of things is the two rookies. Unbelievable. Uh, Tariq Woolen yeah. and, and Kobe Bryant, I mean, what you – expected out of them was that they were going to get a lot of penalties and get beat a lot. And that kind of happened, but then, you know, now all of a sudden they're making plays. So, you know, that, that part of it is encouraging, but as far as the, the amount of yardage on the ground, there, there was a couple of plays that Rabel and I, which Rabe just poked his head in here. We we're, we we're kind of angry <laughs> at one of them was <clears throat> whenever Taysom Hill came in the game, they didn't seem to get that he was probably going to run especially when they check in two offensive linemen right. and they have a tight end in and things like that. So, but there was a couple of times where if it's a run, I mean, you better stay, keep your shoulder pads square to the line of scrimmage. And there was a third down play where, you know, they were rushing like, you know, their shoulders are turned and they're going upfield and just creating space for Taysom Hill to run. So that part was really frustrating. And as you mentioned, Stace, two, you know, two players yep. going over a hundred yards. Yeah, I look at that game and I see some of these same mistakes. And I think that's probably the most frustrating part is you're like, okay, well, they're going to correct a couple of things. We'll see better tackling. We'll see better angles. We'll see more aggressiveness at the line of scrimmage or the point of attack. And, uh, you know, we just haven't seen much of it. But you're right. There are always going to be some positives, even if you are giving up a bunch of yards. Um, you mentioned the two rookies, um, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. I look at Jenna Wolfs, who he's having a decent season as yeah. well. Um, I think Jordan Brooks played with the most violence I've seen him play with all year. I don't know if he was uh, alignment, assignment, execution perfect, um, but he looks better. And they'll never see another Taysom Hill. They're done with the Taysom Hill type of quarterback. Now, this week is a different quarterback, different type of challenge. But um, I'm with you. I felt like the um, recognition of what the New Orleans Saints were trying to do wasn't at its best. Um, so hopefully they watch film and uh, and they correct those things. Now, once again, you had the offense looking pretty solid. No, they didn't put up 48 points, but 32 points most of the time should be enough to win you a game. It wasn't in this one, but for all the flaws that this team had, you guys, I had kind of a hard time talking with people after this one who wanted to blame it on the offense, not doing enough or not coming who, back in. Who and are you talking anymore. to? I just think that, I mean, I was talking to people who I think have either written off the defense and said, hey, it's got to be up to Gino in the offense. And I just want to say, like, you realize that 32 points a game would make you one of the league's best offenses, right? Like yeah. 32 should be enough. Yeah. Can I point something out though? Um, and on online, there's a pretty cool uh, video of Rabel calling that right before the half, um, 
the the Saints, it's the touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett. But right before the half, they're in what looks like two man to me. Mm-hmm. So everybody's underneath is manned up. They only rush three. So they got one guy middle uh, shallow and one guy sort of medium shallow. And Tyler beats them inside. I mean, you had an yeah. extra guy there. So my point is, is that people all around the league are complaining about their defenses or their offense can't do this and that. And I was like, <laughs> I was just mystified that they couldn't. I don't want to say guard because Tyler Lockett says guard. <laughs> they, they couldn't cover Tyler Lockett, you know, and Gino on the run, just a beautiful throw. I mean, it's funny. Everybody wants to ask me about defense because I was a linebacker, but I'm like, I, I'd rather talk about the offense. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, that was just a beautiful play by Gino. And, you know, and, and I don't know how that corner gets his hips turned. Tyler Lockett, I mean, that dude has been running that same little shake route mm-hmm. his whole career, and and it happens. So you know that that's just uh, you know, I think that's just the nature of the NFL right now. The defense. Look, I'm not trying to say that that they've been good. I think that they'll get it fixed because they have good players. You're right about uh, Jordan Brooks. Really, I mean, he just hammered uh, Dalton one mm-hmm. time. Went right through the running back. I mean, he's just a beast, and he's playing. He's playing pretty well. But I think you know both those. Not everybody is in a position to play like their best football right now, but I think they'll get there. What were some of the more impressive moments offensively to you guys in this one? I know for me it was that pass to Noah Fant, you know, had throwing on the run yeah, while he was scrambling. Body. Those are things where I looked yeah. and, I, and, I, and I just think, like, I didn't realize Gino – it sounds silly. He's a professional quarterback, but those are the plays I didn't expect from Gino. I expected you're in the pocket. You're doing little check downs. Jared Goff-esque. I didn't expect Russell Wilson-esque from 2015 for Gino. Gino has exceeded everyone's expectations for sure. And a play that impressed me the most, I would have mentioned that one. I would have mentioned um, the play to Tyler Lockett that you were just talking about. I also love him checking into a run, which resulted into a big touchdown by Ken Walker. He checked into that. I don't know what the play was going to be before that, but he saw something in the defense and went and checked to the zone, and then the execution of the zone was just beautiful. Um, So, yeah, I would look at that check play and say that was probably one of my favorites. That's the second week in a row that he's checked into a run like that, the other one, the 41-yard touchdown. Yeah, 41-yard touchdown, did the football one-on-one thing Mm -hmm. on that, and it was just blocked beautifully. I mean, they had eight guys up on the line. And, you know, and they all pretty much rushed on that play. And then in this one, yeah, just uh, he, he had to go and, you know, get to every single person, walk out. He had the time and the poise to do that. And so, yeah, two weeks in a row, he checks into a, a big explosive play for a touchdown. All right, let's look at the run game for a minute. The good news is that Ken Walker, your rookie, a 69-yard touchdown, takes it all the way to the house. Fantastic work, Ken. Bad news, you lose Rashad Penny for the season. My heart is breaking for this guy he can't catch uh, a break with with his injuries I mean he just you know has yet to stay out there for a full season and stay healthy which is a bummer because we know how talented he can be when he's actually out there and healthy what's the offense become with with Walker he's a smaller back I mean do you take anything away from it does it give you anything new well I think it's nice that he had his big explosive you know he had one three weeks ago against Atlanta um, where it was a fly sweep and he cut it back. And I was like, yeah, maybe that's something that will spark him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next week it was, there was a couple of runs he had in there. But, yeah, that big explosive run like that came at the right time because you lose Penny. Um, you know, I think it took us a little longer to get onto the plane and whatnot. I got to believe that Pete and John were having a lot of long conversations about what do we do. Yep. You know, we need to go get a running back from, from somewhere. So 
Yeah, it's it's such a shame, man. I have to say the most heartbreaking thing I've seen all year, maybe for a couple of years, was him on the on the cart and he's yeah. falling. And it's not because he's a baby and he's not emotionally tough. It's because everything that you worked for just went down the tubes. Yep. Yep. And not only that, you go into the off season and you want to go in the off season getting better. When you have to rehab your injury and try to get better, it's brutal. Well, and it's not only that, but it's also recognizing that if there is maybe the shortest time span of even a long, healthy career, it's running backs. It's yeah. you know that, hey, when I hit 25, when I hit 26, I know I have all the talent in the world and I'm maybe going to get one more contract. And so uh, it's just it's a it's a brutal sport at times. And another angle to look at, he knows Ken Walker is going to get reps. And if yeah. he looks good. They're going to say, all right, we're going to let this young man go. It's it's opportunity. So not only is he going to have to rehab during the offseason, if Ken Walker goes off, which I think he has a really good chance of doing, he's looking back and say, man, I might have just lost my, my spot here. I already yeah. banked on myself with this one-year deal. Now this youngster's out there getting all these reps. Uh, Ken Walker, obviously a, a phenomenal talent. I've been waiting to see some other young guys get involved. Uh, it looks like a little bit of D. Eskridge in this one, but you're still kind of waiting for him. Does it not matter if he doesn't get that involved because you've still got DK and Tyler looking great? I don't think it's as urgent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know there's lots of people that have been keeping an eye on him. and Count me as one of them. Me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and bump and bump. <laughs> yeah, I <I'd... laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to raise my hand. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, I, I love D, D. Eskridge, but, and I would love to see him get going. Um, I think that's that's one of the things, kind of like Williams. And I hope it doesn't take him, you know, a long time because he came on the team in 2020, right? Yeah. And then, you know, last year didn't really get involved, gets the concussion early on. And so, yeah, I, I don't – it, but I, I don't think that that's like an urgency. It, it's very far back on the list as far as what, you know, who needs to, to play well. And, you know, on the very front of that list is the defense, as we talked about already. All right, you guys are going to hear from uh, Pete Carroll coming up here in a couple minutes. We're going to talk to Will Disley coming up at uh, 1245. Uh, and then in hour two, we're going to take a, a bit more of a look ahead. We're still going to, you know, look at what happened in New Orleans with Ray Roberts and Steve Rabel and all of your favorite voices. Um, but we're going to start to transition to week six here and, and look at what's going to be a big divisional matchup against a weakened Arizona Cardinals team. And that includes an opponent preview. Before we get to any of it, though, you're going to hear from the head coach next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rust. We are waiting for Pete Carroll to hit the podium. About a minute left uh, or so of practice here. So uh, we're just going to take a look ahead why not to the Arizona Cardinals guys we're going to talk about the Saints a little bit that loss to the Saints with some of our other guests we aren't going to get a ton of time uh, until hour two to look ahead to Arizona so let's go ahead and do it right now um, we know that uh, Arizona we're going to talk about it later with Josh Weinfuss is a bit banged up at running back is there an opportunity here bump I'll start with you for the defense to maybe have a chance to get right same question I ask every single week should be an opportunity I mean right now as far as yards, the Hawks are dead last, 430 yards per game. Sweet. Against the rush, they are, excuse me, yes, against the rush, they are 32nd, giving up 170 yards. So if you're missing those key elements to this Arizona run game, um, then you would expect them to perform a bit better. Now, if they go out there and you don't have um, James Conner and, uh, you know, Benjamin, Connor has 20 yards, one touchdown. Benjamin has 136 for one touchdown. If they don't have those guys and they still go for about a buck 60, a buck 70, um, then 
I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. Yep. Um, I've listened to KJ on every Wednesday during the KJ Wright show. Try to fix it. I've talked to Wyman about it, Paul Moyer. And I, I just, I'm running out of ideas other than um, it becomes a, a co- combination of personnel and scheme. Well, and that's what I worry about, Dave, is that just fixing the scheme won't be enough. You want to believe that these guys you have out there who are former first round picks, former second round picks, maybe, you know, certainly a lot of them day two picks, uh, that they will be enough. And, uh, you know, do you see this being, you know, you fix the scheme a little bit and that might do it. You add a free agent, you make a trade that might do it, or you just get right halfway through the season the way that they did a little bit last year and the year prior. Here's how I look at it, and I don't I don't want to put it all on the coaches because, look, you can only do so much, so much as a coach. You can't go out there and make plays. Um, so when you see missed tackles and errors and mental errors and things like that, uh, but, you know, there's always the blend that, I mean, here would be a question for you. Did Pona Ford become like an ineffective player all the time? Overnight. Sudden? Yeah, and – and then same thing with Cody Barton. I mean, did he become – and I don't think he had a particularly bad game or anything. Yeah. It's just that he's not playing loose and free like he has in the past when he's gotten his opportunities to get in there. Um, and the other thing about him, too, is that he was you know thrown in sort of unexpectedly at all three different positions, and he played well. So did he become a, a, a bad football player uh, all of a sudden? So that that's where I go. I, I think there's a little bit of – I mean, I believe in those guys. Maybe they've, they're diminishing skills. And by the end of the year, we'll go, okay, those guys are gone. They need to get somebody else better in here. The way I'm looking at it right now is whatever that they're running is either not making sense to them or it's not, you know, it's not, they're not using their best, best of their abilities. It's not bringing that out in them, you know, so, and that's not necessarily just a 4-3 versus a 3-4. And look, I think these coaches are really bright. I mm-hmm. think they're incredible and i just i'm i'm surprised i really am i thought for you know the entire off season i I said i think the biggest difference other than you know russell obviously being gone is that the new coaching staff that because these numbers we're looking at this is what we had last year you know you had they were number 31 against the pass uh two years in a row and now you've seen him 32, 32, 31 in scoring. Yeah, there's no trade-off, points. right? It's not like, oh, they're they're now giving up a ton of yards to the run. Um, well, and you got to take the ball away at a okay. ridiculously high rate. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt us. We are going to go to Pete Carroll Live now. All right, and uh, we're going to wait and see just one second. It looks like uh, Pete is walking up. We'll throw you there in just one minute. Yeah, you but, might not even have enough time to answer, Dave, but go for it. Well, the, the point I was making is you better you better take the ball away just a ton if you're going to give up that many yards because that that will fix everything. You know when yeah. you get it when you get takeaways. Well, and uh, I, I agree with you. Getting takeaways, having the offense take advantage of those takeaways, which again, again, I am not going to discredit them for. In this one, <laughs> I will not take anything away from what the offense did. But I I really liked you framing it as Cody Barton. All these guys didn't suddenly get bad. Right. Like this isn't suddenly something that they that they really, really struggled with. This is something that you you look on the field and you say something else must have changed with this. You know what I don't like is when players come down and take food away from the media. That's what (laughs) I know. I know we don't have. Will. you have a chance to to finish what you're eating right now. But will eating uh, ribs looks ribs right now. I had to. You guys got be- way better food than we do. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. All right. Let's Why t- would they serve the jackal people in the media better food? Than I don't theirs? know. Explain that one to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I won't eat on the air. 
All right, all right. Uh, Curtis, uh, let's, uh, we're gonna hold tight here. We're gonna go to Pete after we uh, we talk to uh, Will here for just a little minute. I hope you don't mind us interrupting your you lunch, You can go Will. to Pete, that's totally- You know what, I, unfortunately, <laughs> you're gonna have to sit and stare at your food for a little I'm bit, and all of us problem. are gonna have to smell it. It smells amazing. Uh, but uh, you know what, I'm just gonna start with the offense, which has been absolutely phenomenal. I know you didn't have the outcome you wanted last week, but how's it felt as a tight end to just get involved a little more in this one? Does anything feel different? Because from the viewer's point of view, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more 89 out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a really nice transition. Um, you know, we have some young guys that are stepping up big. Abe, um, Chuck, and K-9 obviously last week had a big explosive run for us. So I'm mostly happy to see those guys, you know, having success. Um, you know, I've been in it for a long time just doing my job. But it's nice to see points on the board and everyone's getting involved and everyone's happy right now. People call you Uncle Will. And I don't know how it happened. I just on my own started calling you Uncle Will. Is that something that's happened naturally? Something Wait, you recent? started calling him Uncle Will, not knowing that's what people call not, him. No, no, I just naturally it just felt right. <laughs> is that like Uncle Will. Thing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I feel it's like Uncle that's Will. Concerning. Is that something that you've always been called, or is that just recent development? That's a Seahawk thing. Yeah. John Schneider brought it to me, but I am an uncle. I freaking love my uh, nieces and nephews. I call them my kids. They're not my kids. I didn't do anything. If you watch, <laughs> if you watch two between two Belors, you know. Of course. Being a father is way more important than being an uncle, but it's got its perks, so uh, I don't know. I have fun with it. Just old soul. Love, you know, old awesome. music and trying to help people out. And you love kids. <clears throat> don't say that too loud. <laughs> I'm not saying you need to have any. It's no. great being an uncle. I was one during one of my playing career. I had my brother's kids come over, spoil the heck out of them, and then just send them on their way. Yeah, as soon as they start crying, it's like, yeah, you go. <laughs> That's luck. yours now. I'm out. I'm out. It's like, it's the best. Did you know coming in that they were going to – feature tight ends a little bit more because it's been kind of my complaint over the last few years. I think you got like, what, 15 or 16, 17 targets now. And last year it was like 25, 27, I think. And did you know coming in that they were going to utilize the tight ends a little bit more? Uh, you know, we, we kind of plan for it. Um, you know, our tight end room has a really high standard. Um, I'm excited to have, you know, all those guys who can do all the things that they ask us, you know, block, pass block, catch, um, shoot, maybe even run the ball. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I think it's just trying to help our team win in any facet. So, you know, we have, you know, they got to cover DK and Tyler, and that's a tough challenge. So, really, our job's pretty easy. Just get open and catch the ball. So, um, you know, they kind of do the hard work, um, and we kind of just reap the benefits. Um, can I ask a non-Seahawks-related question? I know we're obviously going to get to it, but I just out of curiosity, I was wondering this the other day when I saw you doing a promo video for the Mariners. Mm -hmm. You're from Montana. You didn't grow up in Washington. You did play for Washington. Did you grow up a Mariners fan? Uh, I would you can pander if you want, I would or you can say be honest. No, I would say no. <laughs> I, I, you know, Montana's beautiful because you can kind of you can just pick any team. My brother actually used to get mad at me all the time for not picking a team. Yeah. Um, but I was a big fan, you know, Richie Sexton, first baseman, you know, back sure. in the day it was my first pro game that I ever went to. So there's a lot of love, but the fandom kind of came on. My parents just retired and they have, you know, I guess nothing better to do than be grandparents and root for the Mariners. So of course. it's kind of what we talk <laughs> Our about. Our two life goals. Right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's a good <laughs> life, man. Blessed for sure. So it's, uh, it's something nice, you know, obviously they don't, they come out quite often, but when I'm on the phone, we're talking Mariners and it's, it's been really awesome. We've seen a lot of checking at the line of scrimmage, a lot of audibling and all that stuff. Is this the most you guys have ever checked out of plays? And and how's the communication with Gino? He seems very clear and concise about what he's doing. Yeah, uh, you know, Gino's done a really good job. Um, I think, you know, as we move forward, you know, the, the whole offense is open to him. Um, obviously, we have Russ, so we, we've done a lot of up-tempo, working at the line of scrimmage stuff, you know, in our past, or at least when I've been with the Seahawks. 
Um, but Gino, it's, he's just done a good job, man. He sees the field really, really well. You know, he's a smart guy. He's got over a decade in the NFL. He's seen a lot of ball. And, uh, you know, we got the guys that are capable of, of getting it done out there. Were you on the field for the, the check when Williams um, ran the ball? I can't remember. The 69-yard touchdown Walker. that he had. I'm sorry, Walker. K-9, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we were out there. So easy look, um, working at the line of scrimmage and, um, you know. Did, did he use hand signals? Because it was really loud in there. It looked like he was verbal. Could you hear him? Yeah, it was verbal. There? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's, you know, kind of uh, we're all on the same page, though. You know, Shane does a good job of prepping us. Hey, when we get in these formations, you know, expect certain, certain looks. It might and, be coming. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. We're always ready. What's the tight end room like? Because I see three different type of tight ends when it comes to attributes on the field. And from what I know, obviously, I don't know you guys personally. I see three different type of personalities as well. So what's that? What's that yeah. room dynamic? Yeah, like? no, it's awesome. Uh, stoked to have Noah. You know, Colby and I have been rocking for a long time. So we're kind of, you know, old buddies. And, um, you know, I'm definitely like ADD'd out. So like I practice, <laughs> I'm going nuts and dancing and yelling at people and uh you know noah is very even keel he likes to laugh he loves a good laugh and then um you know colby went to stanford so he's a nerd so <laughs> nice yeah tell him did you do you guys still do the uh the fines or was that only like wilson oh, yeah. and graham when they were what's oh, yeah. a what's a fine what are some of your fines because i remember some of them but i'm like did you guys invent new ones i mean i have to i have to shout out that the fines go to kids with parents who are incarcerated very important Christmas. to know so that's awesome that is the purpose of the fine board good. other than to keep meetings fun um you know what? Some of some of the good ones. We we added a boomer fine for our coach. Wonderful. So uh, any movie that he references that came out before the oldest person in the room, which would be boomer me fine. in '96, he gets before '96. Before '96. So tough. he mentions all that. It happens all the time. Yeah. Do you know how many movies came out before '96? Yeah. Well, like it's not our fault. We haven't That's seen fine. them. We weren't born. That's fine. I respect the. I res name one movie before 1996 that you've seen. I can't. I, I have Star Wars. All my Star references Wars. would have, would be wiped out. Well, I would be Dave. To be every... fair, you'd be you'd be getting boomer fines every single day. You're, we're still figuring out how to get Dave to watch Mariners games on Apple TV. He's oh still gosh. figuring it out. Oh my God. That would be a boomer fine. What's another fine? Oh uh, shoot! You're putting me on the spot here. We added a couple. Uh, we have a dancing fine. Okay. So if you're blocking a D lineman and instead of like you grab hands because it looks really weird. So, <laughs> so they're dancing. Ching them up. Okay. Ching them up. I like sometimes these. you grab and you get weird things, right? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, sometimes you, you grab put your hands out there. Hand. Gonna... Yeah. Dave, you are dangerously close to a boomer fine. Oh, so close. Oh my gosh. Uh, what are the kids though? Find them up. All right, all right. He is a uh, tight end, Will Disley. <laughs> Thankfully, you can go finish your lunch. It I smells amazing. I'm happy for I might you. Just leave him in here. You guys. I would really not like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys, don't go anywhere. You're going to hear from Pete Carroll next. You're listening to the huddle. Pete Carroll speaking with reporters right now. We'll take you there. Um, with with the guys that are in the area, that kind of conversations never stop. You know, they're always on. You know, I've, I've, I get texts. You know, I'm still. I'm, I got it. I'm still ready. You know, um, from a number of guys. Um, so. He's always been in our conversations, you know, so that, I mean, seriously, we called him this last week, you know, to check out what's going on, if he's available, he's working hard, he's been working really hard, he's in terrific shape, he had a great workout uh, yesterday, and so um, he's an impressive workout. The way he, uh, roughing the passer was back and getting a lot yeah. of attention this weekend. I guess, is there anything, do you show those plays to, you, to your guys? And is Before there the week's out, yeah, we, we, we'll get to it, we haven't done it yet. Um, 
I saw the one in the, the KC game, and that was that was a one in a million play. I mean, the guy he's taking the football out of the guy's hands as they're on their way to the ground, and as he secures the ball, you know, well, how do you brace? And he put his hand down, but he but he landed on him. Okay, that's legit. But okay, yeah, it's easy to see now. The official had to see that all in a flash. He had to detect that. He saw him chest him, you know, to the ground, and, and that that part kind of happened, but. He was making a great play to, to consciously pull that ball away and then just do whatever he could to survive his fall, too, and it happened to land on the quarterback. So you, you like the official to see that, but I, the fact that they didn't see it that way, and maybe they don't even know, maybe they don't even see it that way now, but that's the way he could have interpreted it. But it's, that's, you know, that's a lot to ask, you know, so they, they, it goes into the heap of he, you know, he threw his weight on the guy as they hit the ground. And so that's why that penalty happened. Um, we had a sack this uh, um, in this game. Um, I think it was Big Al's sack. Um, he tossed the guy to the ground. It was almost, you know, very similar to another one, that the one on, on Brady. And, uh, you know, so they're working at it. You know, th these calls as they happen, they, they study and work their tails off to try to fin fix, you know, the interpretations. I'm anxious to hear what happens by the end of this week when we get our stuff from them. I'm sure they'll be talking about it. I think Chris Jones said after the game that he thinks maybe that should be a reviewable kind of play in that situation. Do you have a thought about that? Uh, yeah, I, I think getting it right is what's important. So, you know, I, I always have hated instant replay. Okay, I like the game, just keep going. But now that we have it, let's use it right and as much as we can whenever they can, you know. It's, because in that, there's a real instance. Uh, he's right in that I think if they would have looked at it again, they go, oh, okay, now I see what happened, you know. But maybe the league is going to determine that it doesn't matter what happened. You landed on the guy. And so that's, the, you know, that's, the, that's why they call it that way. There's, there's some interpretations like that. You, know, you hit the guy in the head even though you weren't trying or whatever. You know, it's a penalty. So. Is, is how the legal strike zone for a pass rusher can shrunk, is that almost impossible now for them to do their job when they can only hit from what they No, they can do it. They can do it. it it's, the, the decision is if the guy had a chance to make a decision, then he needs to make it. That's the biggest thing. That, that's, that's, you know, if there's an opportunity for a guy, yeah, he could have pulled off or could have avoided, you know, got his head to the side. That, that's, that's really the, the, the deal here. The, the below the head and, and above the knees, that's not a problem. Really. Our guys can adapt to that. We've done that really well. The throws Geno's been making on the move, like the touchdown to DK or that one rolling left to um, Fant, just is he maybe showing you more there in terms of Running around than he he's done. He's been throwing like that. It's not. I mean, it's fantastic that it's coming out in the game, and it's they're huge plays. You know, DK had two of them. You know, two great plays, um, and and uh, the throw to Fant was. But that that wasn't a scramble. That was a design. You know, but still that ability. Gino can throw everything. He really he can throw it all, and we've always seen that. He's always had a marvelous uh, range of you know through the motions and, and what he can do with the football. So. Um, but it's really exciting to see it happen in the game so naturally and so you know so comfortably for him. I wonder if you need to see again from different angles. Really appreciate it versus in game. Or well, we, no, we went pretty crazy about it when it happened in the game. But yeah, it was, it was you know that's beautiful football. It's really cool that Noah. Remember earlier in uh, might have been preseason, he, he had a ball on the sidelines where he didn't get his feet inbounds. He's had a couple different chances to do that for us, and you know that was it's good to see that he you know he's improved there. You said that one was designed for Gino. Yeah, that was that was a. Uh, bootleg pass. Did you hear anything from the league on Charles's penalty at all? Or? Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, how, how different are the um, 
Hey, let's talk about this. Since we're all here you know, amongst friends, okay, they sent us a, a video last two weeks ago about guys hold, you know, that, that have a grip on the on the lineman, the defensive lineman, and they showed an illustration of a guy who had had a guy latched up, and as he latched him up, and as the quarterback it was Rogers, I think. You know, scrambled out. He latched up, and then he released him. And they showed, okay, it's so if, if you, you know, if you have him and you release him, if you, that then it's okay if there's enough space between that quarterback or the player that he released. And and uh, it was our thing was almost exactly the same deal, but uh, we were close. Gino was closer to him than the illustration. So. Um, they're trying to figure it out, you know. They're really. I mean, I, I, this ain't easy what they're doing. They're trying to figure it out. So this was, maybe that was the right interpretation. I don't know that yet. We didn't get a clear indication of, was it the distance away from the, the snatch and release, or, or, or was did they just think he held him? You know. So I, I don't know that yet. But did the league's illustration include the theatrics of the defensive player? Um, that's that's become that's become the ball game right now. You know, it's like hoops. You know. Um, uh, they didn't talk about that. The, the end of the first half, when you decided to go for the, the big shot with Lockett, how much did the way Smith handled that whole sequence with no timeouts, knowing that he's, he's either thrown a touchdown or he's thrown an incomplete, not to take a sack, three points in the back, all of that, how does that reassure you that the trust that you, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago taken off the. Yeah. Did that reassure, was that a validation of, yeah, this Again. Yeah, again, I mean, he's already like I've already. I'm, I'm all in, you know. And and we were trying to bring him on and, and figure it out how how far Gino could take it. And there's no doubt, you know, that we don't have any hesitation. And that's using those opportunities to to trust and go for it. I mean, they aren't always going to work out like that, but um, because of the way we believe they're going to work out like that more than they're not, you know, because we'll go for it and we'll. we'll Cut our guys loose and count on our guys to make their plays. Yeah, I mean, that's tremendous trust in the protection. Mary slid up in the pocket so beautifully to, to get that done. The protection was, was perfect, and uh, uh, but it's also making that throw. That's he's been around those kinds of plays. He's seen it. He knows now, and, and he, we're not restricting him at all. And we trust that he's going to make the right choices. And so that gives us a sense that we can keep going for it. You know, we're we're pretty efficient right now. You know, and we, it's getting done. So um, hope we can keep growing. That you're asking guys like Quentin and Puna and your other interior guys to play uh, now in the new scheme. Is that different than how you were asking them to play earlier in their careers? Um, some. We've done all of it. We've done all of the stuff that we're doing now. We've done in the past. Um, um, when we go to the 4-3 stuff, I know you're a scheme guy, go to the 4-3 stuff, it's the same as it's always been. Nothing changes there. In the 3-4 stuff, um, there's a little bit more a little bit more of us playing, you know, reading, reading the linemen a little differently. But, that, but we've always did it, too, though. That was always part of our stuff. It's a little more predominant now. There's not much of an adjustment. There's not much what? Not much of an adjustment for those guys then, really? No. No, they've played this way before. Yeah. All right, that was head coach Pete Carroll coming up next on the huddle. We're going to go in the trenches with Ray Roberts at one. Before then, though, let's take another look ahead to the Arizona Cardinals. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. We have looked back at the Saints, and we will a little bit with Ray Roberts and Steve Rabel when they join us. But let's take a look ahead for just one segment here at the Arizona Cardinals, the Seahawks' next opponent. This one is going to be back in Seattle 
Quick broadcasting note for you guys. The game is scheduled for a 1.05 p.m. kickoff. If the series between the Mariners and Astros goes to a game four, which would be Sunday, that kickoff is going to be moved to 2.30. Obviously, if there is no game four, kickoff is still at 1.05. So just a heads up for everyone there. Um, but let's look at uh, just what's going to happen on the field, not necessarily when things are going to kick off. Uh, but it's looking like an opportunity for Seattle against an Arizona team that uh, is okay defensively, has struggled at times. Most importantly, though, it's kind of been the same story each and every year with Arizona, has it not, Dave? Yeah, I, you know, that that's the thing with Kyler Murray and certainly not great press for him in the offseason because, you know, first he deleted his account or whatever. I don't even know what that means. Uh, <laughs> his video account, is that what it was? No, that's Snapchat. a boomer Twitter. line. The Twitter. Instagram, Instagram okay, account. Instagram. Well, he deleted all this, all of the Cardinals' Uh, photos from his Instagram account. That takes a lot of effort. That's going in and deleting every single photo individually. Okay. Well, yeah, there was that. And then there was the thing about him supposedly being forced to do extra work. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that kind of thing. I don't know about him. I really don't. He's an incredible talent. The one thing I would say about him, his scrambling, like I remember Pete a couple of years ago when we played him, he said he had 11 yards per attempt on scrambles. Unreal. Um, however, We've seen K.J. Wright, and we've seen Rasheem Green. He wants to go outside. I mean, that would be my note on him, that, you know, because Rasheem Green made a beautiful tackle. I mean, he's a defensive tackle. I mean, he's not – he's kind of a tweener. He's like 270. But Still I mean, big for – it's not like he's a yeah. 245 but edge both, rusher. Him and K.J. both stayed outside because I think Kyler Murray is a better inside runner, but he doesn't want to go there. So, I mean, that would be my note on him. The other thing is that he just uh, – he hasn't won with that team. I don't know what kind of a leader he is, but it's kind of funny. They got the little bobbleheads, Kyler Murray, Rondale Moore, Marquise, Hollywood Brown, number one, number two, number four. They're all like five, six, five, seven. <laughs> I'm okay with a petite squad, big helmets. I, I'm always impressed by the smaller players. Yeah. I always, you know, love those guys. So that those guys can fly. James Connors, a, he's a good running back um, on their defense. The guy that kind of stands out to me, that's a very unusual player is Isaiah Simmons. He's not very disciplined. And he'll miss tackles, and mm -hmm. he'll sometimes – I see him jogging quite a bit. I see a lot of that in the NFL lately. Yeah, yeah I don't know what that's uh, – Like jogging, looking around. That's one of their linebackers, by the way, for anyone not super familiar yeah, with this Yeah, number nine. And, and he lines up deep sometimes. Like, he's a safety, and, yeah, he's an interesting player. But uh, to me, uh, Buda Baker's probably their best player on, on defense if you – you know, Marcus Golden's good, J.J. Watt, all that, but uh, but I like Buda Baker. He he makes plays everywhere. But it's just like every week, you know, you get the – you go, okay, you look at them, they're two and three. Eh, you know, we can maybe beat them. Then all of a sudden you start looking at J.J. Watt. Yeah, names Zach, you recognize. Yeah, Zach Allen, who is really a good – Marcus Golden. Ertz is still there. Is he healthy, yeah. though? Is he? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Bumps and he, he played in the Philadelphia game yeah. last yeah. year, so, or last week. So. Now, the matchup I'm looking at, of course, I got to go to outside to the receivers, D.K., and Lockett versus Murphy and Wilson. Lockett in four games against Arizona has 33 receptions for 480 yards and six touchdowns. Lockett goes off against the Arizona Cardinals for some reason. Of course, Byron Murphy is over there. UW standout. He has 19 tackles, three tackles for loss, one pass defended, half sack. And you got Marco Wilson over there, 20 tackles, one TFL, and two passes defended. I want to see if they can continue to grow. You know, we've had Lockett over 100 yards last game. DK with around 85, 90 yards. The week before, DK has like 149, lock it around 70 to 80 yards. We're starting to see them kind of blossom, right? Because early it was the Titans. The Titans always get this offense going initially for some reason. I ain't mad at it. 
Um, then the run game gets going, and now these two guys have been consistent. So I think that the offense are going to have to score 30 points. I think that's just where they are right now. And um, the explosive plays starts with these two right here, Lockett and DK. How deadly can the offense be without Hopkins, who doesn't return until next week? Uh, they're still a threat. I mean, I have to say, as a former linebacker, I mean, and I say this every week, when you have a running quarterback, it's a nightmare. No question about it. And I'm not saying that, you know, I have the puzzle solved on Kyler Murray that he likes to run outside, but he's still an incredible. You look at how he keeps things alive. And then he threw a first down against Philadelphia where he must have scrambled for seven seconds, mm-hmm. eight seconds. And then he was running out of bounds and flips one to, uh, I think it was Hollywood Brown. And for a first down where it just barely gets his feet. I mean, he's an incredible playmaker. So that that's what makes uh, – he's really what makes their offense goes. But I think it's also you're going to live and die with that guy. You know, and they've paid him a lot of money. Um, they're below – he's below 500 as far as his winning percentage. And I used to always compare his first few years to Russell's. Yeah. And Russ was like 70, you know, 750 win percentage, and he's 50-50. And right now they're below 500 as far as wins with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Can I ask a weird, exist- not existential question, bump, but kind of a big question, which happens anytime we talk about the Cardinals, because I'm personally interested in it and I'm driving, so I make rules right now. Um, I, I am fascinated by the both the relationship between Cliff and Kyler and also kind of where the burden falls for losses and misses. Because this is a guy who was brought in to be this young kind of like, we've got our own version of Sean McVay, right? And he's been, it feels like perpetually on the hot seat for a couple years because this team has had late season collapses. They've not been successful in the postseason. Kyler Murray is still looking for success in the postseason. And yet they remain together. And it feels like every year you're kind of in the same story. Is it Kyler not fulfilling expectations or is it Cliff not taking advantage of Kyler? I think you can never just put the blame on one person especially in football, such a team sport. You got like 20-some coaches. You got 53-man roster. You got 14 to 16 guys on a practice squad. Like, it's a big operation. Yeah. But the guys who get paid the most, the guys who um, grab most of the attention are the guys that you are going to lean on when it comes to blame. And I think it's a mix. I think that there are times where I question question, um, Kingsbury play call. I go, what is he thinking there? There are Mm -hmm. times where I question Kyler Murray's decision-making. So when your offensive coordinator is your head coach and he drafts, he brings in Kyler Murray because he can run his offense. Um, I think the bulk of the blame is naturally going to lie on them. But you also look at Kingsbury's uh, record as a coach. He, he's got like three winning seasons or something like that. In like it's not been stellar. Yeah. Do, you guys, do you guys remember the, the end of year record that was tweeted out last year? It went back to when he was at Texas tech. It's unbelievable yes. how he finishes seasons. Like, I think it was one and four. And how he finishes year. seasons with the quarterback talent that he's had because he's had Mahomes, he's had all these other yeah. guys. And yeah, it's 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 very strange. I just got you know I got an email for whatever it's worth. It was Vegas odds on coaches yeah. most likely to get fired. Kingsbury was the favorite. So you know I don't I don't know if you, and that's a difficult decision for your owner. Like is it is it the because the Seahawks went through this? Yeah. Is it, is it the coach or is it the quarterback? You know, yep. and, you know, and I, I, th- I just think, you know, it's a very rare. There's only 32 head coaches in the, in the world, and maybe half of them are not going to be employed in the next two or three years. And, and I'll just say this. Pete Carroll gets the best out of his players. You know, I, and I don't I don't care what anybody says about Pete. And, you know, and I'll say this. Players that leave here don't tend to get better. Um, you know, you look at uh, I think Sherm got a, a Pro Bowl in San Francisco, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like 
all of it, but like for the most part, you know, and you see that Russ is kind of going through a little bit of a struggle there in Denver. Yep. And you've you know, seen it with other guys. Bruce Irvin yeah, has left. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's hard to be a head coach is more my point than anything. It's, it just, you know, you, you have to have that knack of getting the best out of your, your players. That's the best coaching job you can do. These guys are all talented, but the best thing you can do is get and give guys a chance like Marshawn Lynch. You know, nobody wanted to touch Marshawn Lynch, and Pete brought him in here. So you know this bump, man. I mean, that that's the most valuable asset you can have as a head coach. Well, Pete's got a heck of a challenge in this one, which is trying to figure out how to turn this defense around because they cannot win this season. They cannot find success giving up as many points per game as they are. So what we're going to do in the final hour of the huddle is bring on a lot of our favorite voices. Ray Roberts is going to join us. Steve Rabel is going to join us. We're going to have an opponent preview heading down to Phoenix for that one. And then John Boyle is going to join us for some final thoughts. It's all coming your way next on the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We're going to take a quick look back at New Orleans, talk about what we learned, and then look ahead to the Arizona Cardinals going in the trenches now with Ray Roberts. And uh, Ray, I got to say, I have been so far this season impressed with the offensive line play, and I know that's where we start a lot with you. Um, but they're going to have their uh, their work cut out for them now without Rashad Penny. How does that change what the guys up front need to do? Uh, yeah, I don't think it changes a whole lot. You know, I. I you know, uh, in college, uh, Kenneth Walker was one of the top yards after contact runners in the country. So even though he's not, you know, 230 pounds like uh, like Rashad Penny, he still runs with power and shiftiness and quickness and explosion. So as it relates to what's happening up front, nothing really changes. And uh, and to be quite honest with you, just watching the film, man, they're, they're doing a spectacular job um, blocking up front. Like I think the two guards – um, Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson are, are starting to round back into what I thought they they could be. Uh, um, uh, Charles Cross is playing with a little bit more physicality, and Abe Lucas just doing what Abe does. And so, uh, and then with the play calling, man, they I didn't even notice there's a couple plays they ran against uh, the or- New Orleans where uh, Cross had moved over to the right side and was right beside Abe Lucas when they ran the play. So they're doing like a lot of really cool things to help the offensive line. And so I, I think they'll be, I think they'll be fine. It'll just be a matter of how many reps can, uh, can Kenneth Walker take and how you split those up with the guys that they have in the backfield. Yeah. That, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. We've seen DJ Dallas have two really good preseasons. Uh, I believe he has one or two carries this year with Ken Walker being that number one running back right now. How would you distribute the carries between the two? Would you just insert Ken Walker now? You're Rashad Penny. You get 15, 18, and and DJ Dallas is now Kenneth Walker with like four to six. Absolutely, uh, because the thing I like about um, uh, uh, DJ is that uh, he when he comes in, when he gets the ball, there's always something positive that happens. So I could even see you know maybe Kenneth Walker having like. 16, 18 carries and, and DJ Dallas getting 10 or 12 carries, you know, because you may just be getting the ball to him in different situations too. Like maybe it's a, I don't think uh, um, Dallas will be doing the fly sweep stuff, but you could use him on some screens, you know, getting them the ball out in space, you know, uh, use them in other ways like that to get him the ball. And then the same with, uh, with um, Kenneth Walker. I think he brings, a different dynamic to the backfield because Rashad Penny didn't run as many screens, wasn't as involved in the pass game, but I think Kenneth Walker can be. And so I think he can bring a little different dynamic to the, to the backfield that way. Hey Ray, I want to talk about Abraham Lucas. So uh, he gave up a, a sack to Cameron Jordan, Cameron Jordan. Now he had two sacks in the game. 
He's at 110 and a half sacks of all the active players. He's number two. Von Miller is number one with <laughs> 118, 120. And also, I thought that you know that ball should have come out by then. I thought he blocked him for a good long time. But the the play I saw, he was blocked Davenport. Davenport sort of lowered his and and tried to rush kind of under him and get under him, and then he like kind of split his feet further apart and mm-hmm. backed up and got his body down and just kind of rooted him back up out of it. I, I was so impressed by that. I mean, he's really good with his hands, but I mean, just that little battle of, you know, trying to get the leverage there was awesome to watch. I, I, and, you know, Marcus Davenport was a first round draft choice and, you know, he's playing pretty well. So I, I, I was just very impressed by him. Tell us a little bit. Yeah. About what you're I, saying. I watched that play probably like 15 times, Dave, because I was just like, it was, it was just so impressive. Like, uh, like when you're getting bull rushed, we used to call it when we, when Howard Mudd was our offensive line coach, we would, we would call it hop, hop and chop. So you'd hop like mm. two quick times. You're not trying to hop like you're trying to do a vertical, but you're just trying to, in a way, get your, to lower your center of gravity. And then we would chop guys. Well, nowadays they don't like you doing all the chopping, but essentially that's what he did. He took like one hop, kind of spread his feet, got his, center of gravity down. And then this dude is a powerful man. Like he, he's just a strong dude, the way he just kind of anchored and then just basically like inclined bench press this dude, like back, you know, uh, and, and stopped him. And I was just like, Holy crap. Like, how did he do that? And so just, I just watched it several times and was really impressed by just the power of him. And that was something I noticed uh, in the preseason, just coming to practice. I remember uh, watching him do individual drills and another offensive lineman is holding the bag and he was like punching the bag. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, I wouldn't want to hold the bag with that dude punching it. Cause he has heavy hands. You know, I, I just feel like, man, like we're in practice, like chill out a little bit, but that's just who he is, man. He's a big, strong uh, dude. He did some, he does great stuff in the running game. He hardly ever loses leverage. And, uh, and then even on the sack that Cam Jordan had, uh, Cam Jordan did a great job of knocking his hands down, but then he did a great job of getting his hands back on him and pressing him up. But uh, I think Gino just held the ball a little bit, or he could have slid to the left a little bit to help him out a little bit. But uh, yeah, that that was I'm super impressed with with Abe Lucas, and I think I've, I've probably said it a million times, but uh, but just great value in that dude, and I, I, he brings an attitude to the offensive line that I think they were missing. For for that reason, along with the performance of Tariq Woolen and obviously Geno Smith as a whole with the offense, is there a sense of frustration knowing that if this defense wasn't struggling as much as they were, the Seahawks could really be surprising people? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, those tackles, like we said on uh, Sunday, they're not getting a whole lot of help either. Like there's been once or twice where they've put a tight end over there to help, but then they prove that they can do it on their own. And then Geno obviously is just playing better than anybody had imagined other than him. Uh, but when I, when I watch the defense, uh, you know, we talked about this last week when I didn't warn you guys about the dump button, but um, <laughs> it just, <laughs> it, I watched it again. And when I watch this game, when you run in like those three, four type of concepts, you're the defensive line has to read blocks a lot. And so that means that you're not really attacking the, the offensive line until you can kind of see what they're doing. And then you have to read it and react to it. And then you couple that with, they're probably lined up about a yard off the ball so they can, so they can read and react. And what's to me, what I see is that because of that, at the point of attack, the offensive line, the, the opposing team's offensive line, they're getting like a, a yard and a half head start running at you. And then at the point of attack, they have a helmet on a helmet. 
and then uh, and then the running back can fall for four or five yards. And so when that happens, you have to have someone that can consistently defeat the one-on-one blocks because the double teams are the double teams. They're kind of you know you're not going to consistently beat double teams unless you're Aaron Donald. But uh, but they need someone that can consistently defeat the one-on-one blocks because the first thing that that slows down a running game is that the defensive line has to get their heels on the offensive line's side of the line of scrimmage. Because if it happens the other way, even if it's a stalemate, the wind normally goes to the offensive line. And we don't have anyone consistently playing on the other side of the ball. And, uh, and to me, that is kind of where the, the run game, like I, you know, I've been really critical of the linebackers, but it's kind of hard to play. And Dave can attest to this. It's hard to play linebacker when the, when the, when the defense tackle is sitting in your lap, like you can't be aggressive. Now you're just filling your way around and trying to grab onto a guy to make a tackle. You can't tackle with force. You can't attack the line of scrimmage. And uh, those, those, that's what I see happening in the running game. All right, he is Ray Roberts. He joins us every single week for the huddle. Today's a special Wednesday edition. Normally it is Thursday from noon to two. You can also hear him on the pregame show hosted by Michael Bumpus. These two guys will be on air before and after the game for a ton of analysis. Ray, thanks so much for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. You guys have a good one. You too. He's exactly right. During that whole thing. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, you don't get the momentum, you know, attacking the line of scrimmage, all of those things, man. Yeah. Let's uh, continue this conversation a little bit. Plus, we got to talk about a potential new addition to the Seahawks next with Steve Rabel. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. We are lucky enough to be joined in studio this time. I know I'm interrupting you guys. You guys have all Sunday to <laughs> we're talk. A, we're having a nice conversation. God. Stacey interrupts. You have hours and hours and hours. I well, mean, you could do this during the broadcast Rabel if you and wanted. I talk like for three hours. Then we get on the plane. We talk for like two hours. The plane trip there, we talk for a couple hours. Yeah. Then we had a drink the other night. I mean, geez, you'd yeah. think I'd be sick of him. And <laughs> instead, you guys can't stop. What are you even talking about? I think what startled me so much, I'm, I'm used to having several people around going, 10 seconds, five <laughs> seconds, go. go. We, yep. You just started talking. You kind of started. Well, I didn't want to be rude. I'm just polite to a fault. So I, I wanted to let you guys finish. And I was okay. going to sit here and, uh, and buy you some time by saying we are so honored to be joined here by the voice of the Seahawks, oh, yeah. Steve Rabel. Um, Rabes, you have one of my all-time favorite calls, which is where you actually have a call about Bruce Irvin, but then react to Bruce, oh. <laughs> which is everyone's favorite. I mean, they play it all the time on our airwaves, and people love it. Bruce, but... no! Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Bruce, no. Uh, Bruce now reportedly back in Seattle, signing yeah. to the practice squad. How do you feel about it? Well, as long as he doesn't hit me because of that, uh, <laughs> that call. Uh, I, I think it's great. You know, he's always been... You know, when he first got here, everybody thought, well, he, he's a little bit of a tweener. Is he a defensive end? Is he an outside linebacker? And uh, in this, I think in this format, and, and he did it in Chicago um, last year, uh, I think he I think he can fit in very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete says he's in great shape. Uh, his leg is healed from that ACL. Uh, and, and he was always such a competitive guy, as you heard me say when he kind of got into it uh, with, uh, with some guys there uh, on the sidelines. I'm just... I think it's a, a, a great addition because uh, he's not a coach, but he will be instructing by his very nature and by his example on the field and how the guys see him, not just practice, but how he'll play mm-hmm. and the plays that he'll make. I think he'll be a great example for those young guys. 
It's funny to me that um, he was the most natural, like go, going from defensive end to linebacker that I've ever seen. Yeah. Made, like with the progressions and he knew where to drop. He could not care less about, he got, I think, two pick sixes in, in one year. And he, was, he doesn't care about that. He just wants sacks. Right. Yeah, it's funny to me. That well, he's like, it's like he doesn't even like the thing that he's probably best at. Right. Well, <laughs> and, you know, if you're in that position, if you play the position that he does, when it comes time to uh, sit down with the GM or your agent is going to sit down with the GM after the fact, and you're looking at either a new contract or extending or whatever, that's the number. I mean, there, there are a lot of other parameters for a defensive player, obviously. They always say sacks get you paid. There right? you go. There you go. Um, you know, if you're a receiver, it's, it's catches. It's not how many special teams plays yeah. did you make. It's, it's receptions. It's touchdown receptions. It's, uh, the availability. Were you out there for a, you know a, an extended period of time, or were you always in the tub? And those are the kinds of things that that get you out of the league in a hurry if you're if you're not out there playing. Race. We know uh, Rashad Penny's out for the season. Yeah. Unfortunate to oh, see that. Man. As soon as he wouldn't put pressure on his leg and he scooted to the sideline, uh, you knew it was pretty bad. Yeah. So prayers up to to yep. Penny. But now the young man, Ken Walker, gets an opportunity to kind of show what he can do. We saw Gino checking to a run. He breaks it off for 69 yeah. yards. I asked Ray this question. I'm interested in your thoughts, too. Would he, is he just your number one guy now? Does he get the bulk of the carries, or do you still ease him into this game slowly? I, I think you have to spell him some, especially considering that uh, Pete and Shane want to run the football. Uh, you know, you want to at least have some semblance of balance there. You don't want to get – too overextended. You, you're you're going to end up throwing the ball a lot if you get behind anyway, and yeah. that's going to take that's going to take him out of the out of the game. Although he's a pretty good receiver, Ken Walker is too. Uh, on those little passes coming out of the backfield, little flare routes, whatever. But DJ right now, DJ Dallas seems to have that position locked up with the injury to uh, Travis Homer. So I think they'll continue to spell him a little bit. I think we'll see. Uh, I think we'll see DJ in there some. Um, you know, they got a couple of other running backs, practice squad guys that they could elevate. They just signed a new kid, uh, Jones, I believe, Tony mm-hmm. Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, played at Notre Dame, so you know he's played in a big program. He understands that kind of pressure. Um, I, I, I expect to see him get maybe the majority of the carries right now, but uh, but you you have to you have to have a couple of three guys. Yeah. What would you say about the defense, Reds? We were talking about this, like, you know. And the example I gave was Puna Ford and Cody Barton didn't suddenly become bad players. No. And so then it's like either they're just not getting the scheme just yet or what does it look like to you? Do you, when you're watching, do you, does it look like they're confused or they're thinking too much or it's just not natural yet for them? Because we know Puna's a good player. We know Cody. We know Quandre uh, Diggs is a fantastic player. And they've all three, I, I would say that, so much, well, Cody struggled in one game. But, you know, it's more that they're just not in, you know, they're just not making plays. Right, right. It, well, it's sort of it's sort of like, you know, it's like a band. I mean, really, when you think about it, we just got done with the, the press conferences with the guys, and, and every, after a while, I don't know how we got on the subject, but somebody asked Abe Lucas about playing guitar. And so they were talking about music and what he likes. And one of the things that you have to have when you have a, a band, if you're any good at all, is you have to be, you all have to have rhythm. You have to be in that same tempo. You have to understand what the guy, the guitar, lead guitar player is going to do as opposed to the bass player and the drummer, which is what I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what we haven't seen early on in the defense. They, there's not been that rhythm there that everybody is where they're supposed to be. You know, they're not all hitting that same note. And but it's getting better. I think we talked about it during the game the other day uh, in New Orleans. 
I, it, it looked to me almost light years as to how much improved the two inside backers were. Play, well, they're both great football players, but playing within the parameters of that defense, how it's designed, what are their responsibilities? I, I thought they were. I thought they just did did great, Cody, and and uh, you know we know Brooksy is is he's always uh, you know playing well, but those are the kinds of things you mentioned. Puna Ford, Puna's playing in a different position. Remember, you guys talked about Damian Lewis moving from one side to the other mm-hmm. at guard and how that kind of affects you, whether you say it does or not. Puna only moved about four feet, but to go from the guy over the nose to a defensive tackle. It's. I'm guessing. I'm not a defensive player, and nor would I ever attempt to be. But I'm guessing that's a that's a big change for that young man. Now suddenly, instead of just having this guy in front of you and you're trying to gather up guards as you go, mm-hmm. now you got guys coming from different angles and trapping and and all those other things that you have to be aware of. But you're right. He's not a worse football player, but he's in a different kind of arrangement right now, and they all have to get in sync. They all have to get in rhythm before this, this thing really comes together, I think, defensively. But I think they're getting there. Do you think the defense will have a chance here against Arizona to get some improvement done? Boy, this is a this is a tough one to, to try to get. If for no other reason than you've got that wild card number one at quarterback. I mean, he just makes everybody look like they're going slow mm-hmm. and they're in the wrong position. He throws from every platform. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised he's not throwing both right and left-handed. But he also <laughs> throws on the run, on the move, and he is so quick. And he is he is he's such a darter, you know. Uh, he just makes it life real difficult. Uh, that's one of the things I'll ask Pete for our pregame uh, interview when we do that at the end of the week, and that is, you know, for those all these young guys that are on this defense, especially these guys on the edges who are young guys, They've not seen mm-hmm. an athlete like this. Maybe they played against some guys in college who were pretty good. But this offense is built around Kyler Murray and what he can do. And all he needs to do, all he needs is a step, and he's down that sideline. Or all he needs is one little step outside, and that ball comes out to Zach Ertz uh, for a big gain. So this is a difficult team because they, they are so much built around the improvisation of what Kyler Murray can do. All right. He is Steve Rabel, the voice of the Seahawks, joins us every single week for the huddle. And you can hear him, of course, on the call for this game alongside Dave Wyman. You guys will have much time to finish up your conversation. So (laughs) you'll be pleased to know. Uh, Thanks so much, Rabes. The floor manager is counting us down now in three, (laughs) two, one. Okay, Mr. Rabel, you're free. Thank you. (laughs) All right. I can see Bumpus looking at some uh, Cardinals tape here. So we'll be joined by John Boyle next. And uh, the four of us will take a look ahead at this upcoming week six matchup and figure out some keys to the game that's next now we are joined by josh weinfuss of espn.com josh how you doing today ma'am i'm great thanks for having me you know another day another dollar this week we take on the arizona cardinals i don't know what to feel about that team right now man what, what are the the vibes with this offense with this defense kyler murray kingsbury just what's the overall feeling of the cardinals today I mean, you talk about another day, another dollar. It's like another day, another vibe with this team, right? Like it, <laughs> it, it shifts as the wind blows, really. You know, um, it depends on where they're playing. It depends on who they're playing. It depends on who's playing. Like it's, there's so many factors that have gone into this season so far. But basically, this team can't win at home and they can't score early in games. Or I think they're still the only team in the league that hasn't scored in the first quarter this year. And, you know, by the time they get going, um, it's our, usually the second half. And then Kyler Murray turns on the Jets 
You know, he looks like a human video game out there and he starts making plays happen, puts the team on his shoulders and all of a sudden, boom, they're back in games late in late in the third, you know, fourth quarters. Um, but it's really basically like nobody knows what to expect with this team. And it's they've been fortunate because they play teams that can't put them away early. Those teams that can put them away early do. So this week's going to be another one of those kind of situations where we don't know what like what's going to happen like are the Seahawks going to be able to get up big early and hold on to that lead because what happened in Vegas in week two where the Raiders got up huge but then they didn't just take their foot off the pedal they like stepped on the brake and that let the Cardinals come back so to beat this team teams need to be able to get on them early and just keep on them and I don't know how many teams can do that uh, we, we feel your pain over here in um in Seattle sometimes we don't know what we're going to get but uh, we know we got to go out there and compete, man. And I look at Kyler Murray, and from the outside looking in, um, I wonder about his body language and his leadership. And maybe that's just us. We're not in the building with this this guy. We don't cover the team. Um, am I am I reading that correctly? Are there some questions with his his leadership and body language? Uh, yeah, there's, there's always been right, and and I don't know if it's so much the leadership aspect of it. I think that. He's he's not your raw rock quarterback, right? Yeah. He's not the guy who's going to always be super positive all the time because he knows his teammates are looking at him. He's going to lead by example, and by doing that, you know, he'll put the team on his back and be like, "Guys, I told you we're still on this." That type yeah. of thing. Now, the body language has always been an issue, right? Like, like Cliff Kingsbury from basically day one has told us the media that he's tried showing Kyler videos of Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady and how they handle themselves on the field because we don't really see them throwing their hands up, throwing their head back. Like Kyler's a very emotional player on the field. He's still four years into this. He's still trying to get used to and comprehend and process losing because he didn't do a lot of that. And I don't think that's still coming easy to him. I don't think it ever comes easy to anybody, but I think it's, he's, he's trying to get used to that. And I think that's a lot of this, right? And the other part of it is he has you know, expectations, as every quarterback does, where he wants his player, his teammates to be in certain positions. But at the same time, not all the mistakes are, the, are his teammates' fault, right? Sometimes he makes the bad play. And I think that that, that what, what people see is kind of what, what, what the Cardinals got, right? It's a guy who's very emotional, who his body language, I think, probably does need to improve. And I don't think anyone inside that building would disagree with that it's all to me the big question is how do his teammates react to that and publicly they say they're they're okay hey uh josh i feel like all eyes are always on the cardinals offense whether it's because of cliff and kyler or uh because of hopkins suspension whatever it is i i have no idea how their defense has been doing i mean uh, fill me in here how are they looking this year they're getting better right? they they progressed much further than the offense has throughout the season this, the, they have their, their issues, right? Their cornerbacks have been a, a major um, liability, except for Byron Murphy, who you guys are very familiar with up there. Um, and then their, um, I'm trying to think, their defensive front's very good. Their pass rush is another issue. They have the fewer sacks in the league. They're not, they're getting to the quarterback. They're not, get, not getting him down. And to me, that's a direct result of not bringing back Chandler Jones, who they let walk in free agency. You have Marcus Golden on one side. He's getting a ton of attention from offensive lines. The other side is like it's, it's a rotating door between, you know, Devon Kennard and 
Dennis Gardeck and some other guys, and they're just not producing. But the interior of the defensive line is very good. Inside linebackers are solid. This team's able to get a lot of pressure on on on, on offenses, and that's really saved this team so far, right? They've uh, in Carolina they had I think five passes that were batted down. They you know a couple of picks. They're able to get. They love to blitz, which is a Vance Joseph staple. They love to bring that pressure. And from there, they kind of force mistakes to happen. And that's been kind of where this team has been. Um, they've been carrying this team thus far as the offense has kind of found themselves. <clears throat> hey, Josh, I, I look at this offense and um, in total yards, you guys are ranked 15, 352 per game. But then I look at the roster, and I look at, obviously, the absence of Hopkins. So you feel like something's going to happen there once he gets back. But uh, Marquise Brown, I mean, he stepped up in a big way so far. 38 receptions, 417 yards, three touchdowns. Had a beautiful run last week. Um, It was awesome to watch. Um, A.J. Green has kind of been a ghost, right? Missed a game because of an injury. Only eight receptions, 49 yards. Do you feel like there is a next step that this offense can take? Because on paper, I mean, you guys look like uh, there's a lot of potential there. It's like a fantasy team on paper, right? They have all the names. It's just, but they're not producing on the field. I mean, every time I look at this team, I, I get I get flashbacks to like the early 2000 Lakers with Carl Malone and Gary Payton and all these dudes that just had all these big names but didn't do anything. And that's kind of how I see this team right now. Yeah. When DeAndre Hopkins gets back, I think that'll be the biggest, that'll answer a lot of questions because what he does to an offense is pretty impressive right he forces the defensive coverages to roll his way and what cliff kingsbury likes to do smartly is kind of make him that isolated receiver to one side of kyler and he lets you know he uh, two receivers or trips or whatever it is to the other side this way it opens up the field if the defenses continue to do that when you have a guy like hollywood brown i mean aj green's going to be there on occasion rondale moore Zach Ertz, uh, they have a lot of weapons that can really take advantage of an open field. Because right now, a defense doesn't have to really they, – they can double a, a Hollywood Brown, but there's really no one else the Cardinals can go to. If you double or triple or bracket or whatever you want to do with DeAndre Hopkins, that opens up the field for Hollywood, Hollywood Brown, and that's pretty dangerous. Um, you know, and then the, the, the run game is going to be an issue this week. They were down three running backs last week. They had one guy left for most of the second half. And I don't know if they're going to, how healthy they're going to be going into this year or going to this week. They are bringing some guys in. They're going to sign some guys, but, um, from that, from that four man rotation, I just, I don't know. I think you're only going to have one, which is, you know, Benjamin. Um, but other than that, I mean, this offense is, there's a lot of potential there. I just don't know if they're going to realize that potential at any point this season. Josh, I got to be really honest. I think hearing, I don't know how the run is going to be this week. They're pretty banged up. Has Seahawks fans going, oh, because the defense has been giving up roughly 500 rushing yards per game. I mean, that's just kind of like a stat, wow. just like a general kind of yeah. shot in the dark, but it's, it's probably close to that. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering if out in Arizona, they see that as an opportunity or if, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, let's say Seattle is able to cut down, keep it to under 100 rushing yards. Would it say anything about the Seahawks defense, or is Arizona really in trouble there? I think Arizona's really in trouble. I mean, I, they James Conner is, is dealing with some rib injuries, Daryl Williams, um, Jonathan Ward. So, like, three of your top four running backs are down. You're left with one, Eno Benjamin, who's super fast, super quick. I mean, he could tear up 
a defense by himself, but if they can keep the Cardinals to under a hundred rushing yards, it, it will be impressive just because I think Eno can do that. But at the same time, you're down your top three back. Yeah. Now, the other part of this is the Cardinals running game really hasn't had a chance to get going because they've hardly had a lead this year, right? They've been playing from behind so much. You can't really run the ball. So if, if, if the, the Seahawks can get out to a lead and force the Cardinals to play from behind, which means they have to throw the ball and they can't run that'll, I mean, that'll be even more impressive for, for the Seahawks fans, right? That's exactly right. All right. He is ESPN's Josh Weinfist, favorite of the show, joining us on the huddle today for an opponent preview. Josh, thanks so much. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. That was a look at the opponent this week with Josh Weinfist of ESPN. Don't go anywhere. John Boyle joins us next for a look at this team and some final thoughts. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross joining us to wrap this show up just as he does every single normally Thursday today, Wednesday, given the Mariners playoff game tomorrow. It is John Boyle of Seahawks.com. Uh, John, we've already talked about the addition of Bruce Irvin with uh, with Steve Rabel a bit and kind of what he could potentially bring to this defense. So I wanted to like skip over that to get started. Normally I'd ask you about a new player and what's <laughs> sure. going on here, but instead um, I'm going to ask kind of what you've been, you know, hearing from, from this team this weekend talking about in terms of uh, the defense and whether that three, four scheme is a big part of it, or they're making any changes. You know, I don't think we're going to see anything drastic change. I, I just don't think it's, you know, Dave could speak to this more than me, but I just don't think it's that realistic to either overhaul scheme or, you know, the roster yeah. totally. So yeah. there, you know, you make fine tuning things where you can, you, you know, you make the little roster moves here and there, you bring in a Bruce Irvin who you hope adds some depth and experience and leadership to the group. But yeah, it's more just about cleaning up some of these pretty egregious mistakes we're saying, seeing where, Look, if you're not giving up multiple 50-yard plays a game and on top of that, penalties on third down that are extending drives, the numbers may not be great. You might not be holding teams to 10, 12 points, but you're putting yourself in position to win games. Yeah. So I think for me right now, it's just clean up the big mistakes first, turn that 50-yard run into, okay, he gets first down, he gets 15 yards. It's not great, but you still live to fight another day. Versus... Yeah. Let's flip the fives. That's yeah. really the theme of the show that exactly. I'm going with. Flip the fives. Sure. <laughs> what has Bruce Irvin been up to? Yeah. Just, you know, we, we haven't talked to him yet. I think Just we're vibing, gonna, I, Bob. I think we're going to hear from problem? Bruce tomorrow, but I think, you know, he, he did play a little bit in the last year with the Bears. I think he's just probably been working out, staying in shape. I'd imagine, you know, I don't want to speak for the guy, but I, I got to think at this point in his career when he's unsigned at this time of year, you're also weighing the decision that, you know, how much longer do I want to keep fighting through this and fighting for a chance versus calling it a career. He has had a very solid career, but it's cool to see him back. I mean, he's such a great dude in the locker room and yeah. just a fun guy to be around. So. I'm really excited to see, you know, hopefully he can have a little juice left and help bolster that defense a little. I thought Trey Brown was going to be one of the one of the starters at corner. Mm -hmm. uh, just a, a little update on him, anything you know. But also, what about the way these young guys yeah. are playing, man? It's uh, Kobe Bryant. I mean, I think all of the penalties that they got and pass interference, him and Tariq Woolen starting to starting to pay off. Yeah, you know, the uh, Trey first. Uh, I don't think we've heard from Pete on him. He was asking him, I want to say two weeks ago, and it was, you know, not like he's going to be back any day, but he's getting closer. He's running full speed now. So, you know, I don't think he's really close to being game ready, but we could see him return to practice sooner or later, I would think. But again, we need to hear from people. Yeah, the young corners, it's been so fun. I mean, it's crazy. You've seen four turnovers out of those two guys in the last two weeks, just doing a lot of good things. You mentioned the penalties. Um, those, you know, they've been getting better than the first couple of games. They, there was, there was one we saw last week on, uh, Tariq that was, you know, as Pete said, they, he felt like it was perfect press coverage. So they don't agree with that call, but yeah, it's, I mean, what those two are doing, it, 
it just bodes really well for the future of this team. And then, you know, eventually you do get a guy like Trey Brown back. I, I just think that position could be really exciting for, for a few years to come here. It's been such a pleasant surprise to see how the offense has been able to keep utilizing DK and Tyler too. Mm-hmm. A conversation we kept having in the preseason is you just pay DK. How can you use him when you don't have Russ? And here we are watching the offense you got score. Right, exactly. <laughs> and here you have, you know, you're watching them score 30 points per game. I mean, has, has this surprised you and have they been talking about, you know, kind of getting them even more involved? Yeah. You know, obviously you would assume that if this offense is going to do well, those two need to be pretty prominently involved and they have been. I, I think if anything surprised me is just been how well I mean really you're talking one game where you're facing probably the best defense in the NFL and mm-hmm. it was ugly that game but otherwise you're talking four really strong games of quarterback play of just overall offense I mean I love that they're going out and scoring fast they got three touchdowns on their first five opening possessions they've scored on four of their five opening possessions so just that they're going out putting up big numbers I mean it's unfortunate if the defense were playing a little more or playing a little better we're probably talking about a four and one team right now so Love what the offense is doing, especially Geno Smith. And uh, it seems, you know, they're going to miss Penny for sure. But otherwise, it seems pretty sustainable. I mean, there's nothing going on there that you're like, oh, this is fluky. So I I think we're going to see, you know, it might not be 40 points every week, but I think we're going to see this offense be good all year. We've been seeing what changes they're going to make on defense. Last week, I saw Ryan Neal a Mm. bit more, a lot more than Josh Jones. Um should we expect more of the same this week? What are you seeing? I feeling? would think so. I mean, Pete Carroll spoke pretty highly of Ryan Neal on Monday when he was asked about him. So I think they like what he brings. He's, you know, to me, the best thing we saw to him was there a couple, I think both were third downs where, you know, guy catches the ball short of the sticks in space and Ryan Neal's there to bring the guy down. And that's, you know, that's been a big issue. Some of those open field tackles. So, you know, it wasn't a perfect game for him. There are a few mistakes he's going to want to clean up, but I love the way he the way he plays, the energy he brings, and the accountability he brings. I mean, I don't know if you heard his comments after the game, but nope. he was very harsh on himself and that entire defense about just how they need to be better. And I think that's good for that defense to have a veteran there. And like, look, we're not playing up the standard. We got to get this right. I think one of the lost plays in the game last week was what people thought maybe was a fake punt, and yeah. heard it was not a fake punt. No. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but kind of what have you heard from Michael Dixon there and it looked like they were trying to set up a rookie yeah style. I, I don't yeah I have not heard anything from Michael Dixon on that I don't think he was in the locker room when the media was in there today but sounds like from Pete yeah they were trying to do a rugby style where you you know I think it just kind of messes with our team's return game where you know the returner's not expecting it you put him in a weird spot where maybe he makes a mistake maybe he doesn't field it and the ball goes 60 yards 70 yards rolling out so you just you get a nice punt out they were not trying to run the ball on what was it fourth and 15 or something with the penalty it just it looked really bad because it kind of broke down on Dixon he felt like if he tried to get that punt off it'd get blocked so it was a mess they got special teams it's weird this year they've done a lot of really good things on special teams Myers has made some big kicks they scored a touchdown but they've also put themselves in some really bad spots with that play with a fumble so kind of been boomer bust on special teams they got to clean that up a little early I get it early question but yeah. I'm looking at Tariq. Yeah. I don't see any other rookie corner or any other rookie defense player playing the way that he's playing right now. Is he an early candidate for rookie? Of the I, year? He's got to be, right? I mean, I, he's not going to get an interception every game all season. I mean, it'd be great if he, <laughs> he might. great if he did, but <laughs> let's say he gets it up to five or six yeah. and he's playing really good coverage. I, he's got to be in the conversation. I mean, I think it's probably easiest for a pass rusher to win that award because yeah. if you, you, know, you get going as an edge rusher and get sacks. We see the same thing with defensive player of the year. It tends to go to pass rushers. But, yeah, if he's if he's getting those really good coverage numbers, it's nice now that we have enough different metrics measuring that it's not just like, oh, he got this many 
interceptions. We can look at his opponent passer rating right. against, which I think is around 40 right now, which is phenomenal. The, you know, the grades on sites like Pro Football Focus mm-hmm. are really favoring him as well. So, yeah, if he keeps this up, I, he's definitely a strong candidate for that. I'm trying to scroll through um, some defensive stats. I'm going back to 2015. I want to say if he gets six interceptions, would it be the most since Richard German? Because I know Quander has gotten five, two years, mm-hmm. two years in a row. Has and to be. I think it would be I, the most since uh, maybe Sher- 2013, Sherman 14. Sherman had like eight in 2013, I yeah. want to say. Should have been defensive player that year. Trying to th- right, Somebody but, should. But how, I, how did no one on that defense? I digress. All right. Uh, we got anyway. a couple more minutes here. I wanted to have us wrap up. Final two minutes. Look ahead to Arizona here. Keeping it really simple with just a key to a win. Uh, if you have someone that uh, goes before you and says the same thing you want to say, feel free to say it. If you think it's that important, just uh, maybe add some more context if you can. So it'll get a little trickier. John is our guest. You want to get us started with a key to a win? I mean, I'm going to be so simple. Just again, the big plays on defense. You don't need to play a great, perfect game on defense. Just nothing over 30 yards. Capping at that. If you get those plays out of your defense then the other things will come along slowly and you'll get better. But those are the ones that are just killing. And Pete Carroll said it. When you ask him about playing good defense, he says, you can't get beat on the huge plays and you got to stop the run. And right now they're not doing either of those well enough. Like that six plays over 20 they gave up in Detroit. And then last week it was three. Mm -hmm. So this week it needs to be one. (laughs) And then, you know, I would say as as long until you get it fixed, keep taking the ball away. Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, that's the one thing that can change things immediately. Does Tariq Woolen have three interceptions? Yeah. yeah. One, two, three, and, uh, three in each the last game three piece. games. And, and he blocked a field goal. Yeah. Blocked a field goal. That and recovered a, a fumble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Second week in a row, I'm going to say special teams. I mean, when you have a blocked punt and you get that good field position and two plays later they're in the end zone, you're not making offenses work hard. I said the same thing last week. We had fumbles on, on a punt return. Um, you had a fake punt return or a fake punt that was converted on them, and last mm-hmm. week you got the block yeah, punt. You clean those that plays up. you just made, that's 17 points right there. Yep. How two, has two, two, no one said contain Kyler Murray on the edge? Keep yeah. him running outside. Well, we're for you. We say, yeah. That's really, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet. Uh, no, I mean, I, I assume that all three of you would say something like this, although all three of you made fantastic points, and all of these are important keys to a win. But obviously uh, the Arizona Cardinals, you mentioned this, Dave, outside of Buddha, greatest weapon is obviously going to be Kyler Murray and what he can do with his legs. He's a headache and a half for defenses who are playing together and, and do have that chemistry and do have it all figured out. Seahawks are still working on that. So don't let him be uh, even more of a nightmare than he already will be. So uh, contain the edge and uh, stop those explosive plays, all the other good stuff you guys said. Thank you, John, for joining us and for every Always. week putting up with my uh, end of the show game here, figuring out how <laughs> they got to play I, for next someday week. Someday we're going to get really weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been the huddle. Don't go anywhere.